Welcome to uh, today's interview discussion with the topic being business transaction management and a new series for uh, the blog here where we're digging into the broader business service management value proposition and how that is underpinned by a key area uh, called business transaction management. Today I have with me from IBM and the Tivoli organization, Shoal Perlman, who is the development manager and senior technical staff member in a new role responsible for a couple of our IT CAM products, our IT composite application manager product for SOA, as well as response time. And uh, Shoal, if you could just um, introduce yourself and you know, maybe share a little bit more about uh, your role here in uh, Tivoli. Sure. Uh, thanks, Doug. Uh, so my background is in, a, in business service management. I uh, recently moved into a new role uh, where I'm responsible for a product called ITCAM for SO, um, which stands for IBM Tivoli Composite Application Manager, Manager for uh, Service-Oriented Architectures. Um, I'm also responsible for development for another product um, which was previously called ITCAM for response time. Um, and we've just uh, made it a little bit simpler to think about all the products in the ITCAM space by combining them. Um, so the actual product name is actually called ITCAM for transactions. Um, and so within there, you've got the ability to um, run synthetic transactions uh, periodically you know, using scripts. Uh, we integrate with several of the rational tools and some of the same tools that developers would use uh, when they're actually testing their, their software. And that's actually tied in with some transaction tracking uh, technology that we've just developed, uh, which can take readings from a lot of the deep dive products that we have um, and stitch it all together into one, uh, you know, one overarching response time view. So for example, you might have uh, you might have an application which starts with um, IBM HTTP server, makes a call into a web sphere. That web sphere then uh, sends a message out to an MQ series queue, which gets picked up by uh, you know another web sphere server, which then goes out through Kix transaction gateway and then makes its way out to Kix. Um, and maybe there's a call out to you know DB2 into Oracle somewhere along the way. What ICAM for transactions does is it actually Gets, uh, takes feeds from each of the um, ITCAM products in each of those domains and stitches it together. So it'll tell you something like, all right, I see that between the, you know, the, the web sphere and the MQ series queue, I see that that on average takes you know, 500 milliseconds. And I see that the call out to Kicks, trans, sorry, to Kicks Transactions Gateway maybe takes you know, 800 milliseconds. And once you see that 800 milliseconds sounds like a lot, you can actually drill down and sort by transaction time. You can say, hey, let me take a look at the slowest transaction over the past few hours, and let me drill down into which actual instance of a Kix transaction gateway was used for that particular transaction. And at that point, you would drill down into some of the, um, to some of the, some of the domain-specific tools. So my role is I'm the development manager for... Um, the SOA product, which we haven't spoken about much, but we, we certainly can, as well as the, the portion of this transaction product that does the, um, 
the synthetic transaction tracking, as well as uh, ARM instrumentation. So I'm not sure if you're familiar with ARM. Sure. Um, yep. It's a standard. Sorry? Yes. Yeah. Understand what ARM is. We'll talk about that. I have a few questions about that. Sure. So, great. It sounds like uh, you've got a piece of the pie uh, in the broader IT cam portfolio. Maybe on another podcast we can talk about the uh, the organizational structure there and, and how the various products do come together. But I'd like to I'd like to boil it down a little bit here, and and maybe you can share your perspective as as one who's responsible for the development of customer requirements, competitive you know differentiators that that, that help make the IT cam you know products here different, and and maybe just help us understand from a developer's perspective. And where you sit, you know, what is a business transaction? Uh, a business transaction is one end-to-end flow, which uh, accomplishes a unit of work, which the business rec- which the business recognizes. So, for example, you're an insurance company, and you need to pro- you have an application which produces price quotes. So, there's going to be some agent that's going to be entering. Uh, a bunch of information into some system somewhere, and there are a lot of things that have to happen in order to pop out a price quote. Uh, so the business transaction would really be the end-to-end, um, the end-to-end flow, making sure that that data gets where it needs to go, and an answer comes back. So that's what we would. That would be one example of a Great. business transaction. Great. So what do you what do you think uh, Tivoli's definition of this broader space? called business transaction management may be, right? We, we, you mentioned many different tools and drill down into you know, domain-specific areas. What do, we, what do we mean when we say business transaction management? We're really talking about um, ensuring the quality of those business transactions. Just like you know, in the telco space, we would talk about service quality management. You know, where it, you know, there, you're talking about the quality of a VoIP call, let's say. Uh, here you'd be talking about the quality with which that business transaction is executed. And quality means both, um, you know, that's executed in a timely manner and also that no transactions get lost. So that's another key side to uh, business transaction management. Great. And again, sort of from where you sit, what, what's the value proposition of, of business transaction management to the business when, you know, Dollars are being, you know, fought over for investment and in, in risk and compliance and green and new enterprise data centers and all this different stuff. You know, what's the value proposition of, of business transaction management to the business? Well, I think it depends who your customer is, but I think at a high level, it's really customer satisfaction. Um, you know, in the example I just gave, if you're uh, the insurance company and you're offering those quotes over the internet. Uh, you know, you somehow managed to get a customer to go to your website and enter a bunch of information, um, then they hit submit. If they have to sit there and wait a minute for an answer to come back, or else they just get an error because um, you know their transaction gets lost in the mix, uh, you're going to lose that customer. Yep, absolutely. So, uh, you know, I would say the value proposition is really customer satisfaction. Um, in, in other cases, in a let's say it was a trading example where your competitive advantage is you can actually execute a trade faster than somebody else to capitalize on some, uh, some market imbalance that you've noticed, that you've, that you've mined. Um, in that case, that is your business, the ability to, 
to execute that business transaction quicker than somebody else. Absolutely. Market timing and those last few milliseconds of the trading day can make or lose millions of dollars in those markets. Right. Uh, business transaction management offers this value to, to various places in the IT organization. Do you, you know, could you compare and contrast the value that business transaction management would have towards an application development group or an application support group compared to somebody on the front line in an operations center, a NOC, or a command center? What's the, how do these different groups use business transaction management to be successful? Um, so from what we're seeing, it's, it's interesting because um, you know, we're seeing the same problem that needs to get solved both with new application development as well as someone who's inherited an existing application and is responsible for it from an operational point of view. Um, interestingly, you know, the developers seem to be more involved when it's, you know, obviously it's a new project. Um, you know, the initial developers are still involved. The architect is still involved. This is something that we see with SOA a lot because typically, you know, a lot of SOA projects that are being rolled out now um, have someone's career on the line. You know, someone's actually, uh, you know, made the case for this investment. And so they're going to care dearly about what the performance is like and, uh, you know, how much traffic is flowing through those, through those services. I think for applications that are, you know, that are already well established, it's typically going to be um, cutting out the amount of time that has to be spent in the war room. So it's, you know, it's a similar value proposition that we would have for BSM or for event, you know, for event, uh, event management. So, you know, 10 years ago we would talk about, uh, you know, is it the database, is it the network, you know, get all the events in one place and, uh, you know, let me cut through them and, and see where the problem really is. I think business transaction management is, is very similar to that, except instead of aggregating events, you're aggregating response times. And so I, I think it really would apply to some of the same people who would have done uh, enterprise systems management, let's say, you know, who are doing it today. Great. When you look at your new role here, can you, and sort of through that fact-finding process that you went through to get acclimated and you kicked the tires, I know you asked me some questions about, you know, what my thoughts were on SOA monitoring and management, things like that. You know, if you were to, if you were to look at the overall maturity of, of the transaction, you know, management technology in the market, uh, how would you classify where we were with first generation uh, where we are today or the current generation and, and where you see the future, the next generation, in terms of technology or approaches, products and solutions or vendors? Are, are you seeing legacy approaches being replaced by you know, new emerging approaches to solve the business transaction management problem? Yeah, I think what we're starting to see is it's, it's similar to where we were in event management, uh, I would say, in 1999, 2000. Um, you know, people understand what it is. It hasn't quite been solved yet. There are a lot of point solutions. So it's kind of like where we were with the EMS vendors. You know, in the late 90s, we had, you know, event management consoles for, uh, you know, for each each domain that you might have. You know, you have Cisco Works, and that's going to tell you all your events for, you know, for your Cisco routers. And you'll have something similar for each vendor. Um, I, I think that's kind of where uh, transaction tracking is right now. You know, you'll have your, your DB2 tool that, you're, that you'll bring up, and that'll show you, you know, how long each transaction is taking from DB2's point of view. 
and you have something similar for, for WebSphere and, you know, and BEA. Um, what we really start to get to now is the aggregation, taking all those feeds and tying them together, and we're seeing some of the same, uh, some of the same growing pains that we, that we did um, with event management, which is, you know, can we get the, you know, all the feeds done quick enough? Do we have support for the latest version of WebSphere? Do we have support for, you know, the latest, you know, such and such vendor just changed their API? Can we adapt to it quick enough? Sort of like what we went through with probes, uh, you know, 10 years ago or so. Do you see anything in the, in the pipeline from IBM's vast research and development organizations and patent intellectual property areas that gives a, a, a bright picture for a next-generation approach to solving that true end-to-end uh, problem? Yeah, I think what you're going to start to see is you're going to start to see some methodologies that are more common across the board. Uh, you know, right now, we have a, you know, there has to be a lot of code written to support each app server. Um, and I think what you're going to start to see is you're going to start to see methods for gathering data across app servers where there doesn't have to be... Um, Specific code for you know for each vendor or for each each API. Um, I, I think you'll start to see some technologies that will um, you know essentially do what a smart person would do. You know, sit down, look at the data, and figure out how to make sense of it without having to know without someone having to have written rules uh, beforehand. Right. So more of an autonomic approach, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Great. So this this is sort of you know a a question that deals with the the market positioning or segmentation, if you will, and it sort of plays into part of what your role is, but I've sort of looked at this business transaction market and tried to define it in in a couple different ways. And, you know, could you talk about how you see business transaction management uh, as something that is complementary or contrasts to things like user experience management and monitoring? Synthetic or robotic monitoring, website monitoring, you know, the keynotes, Gomez, Symphonic, Karadiant, uh, you know, one of your responsibilities being, you know, ITCAM for RT component of, of the new ITCAM for transactions. Do you see those things as something that's the same as business transaction management or, or different? Um, I, I see them all being playing a part. Um, you know, we have a product within, you know, the component, I should say, um, inside the ITCAM for Transactions product, which will actually look at real user response uh, times. So in other words, instead of having to go set up a periodic test, it'll actually sniff and it'll go figure out, you know, what the real user experience is. And, you know, one would think, you know, hey, that's a lot easier. I don't have to go write scripts and, excuse me, keep them up to date. Um, You know, when developers change the website, I don't have to update the scripts. It turns out that, you know, customers aren't completely comfortable with that. And, you know, I think for pretty, obvi- pretty obvious reasons in that, you know, what if you're just not getting any traffic? If traffic drops off, you have to rely on heuristics to go and tell you when something's actually wrong. Um, so I don't think that you'll see the death of robotic testing. I think that's going to go on. I think it's going to become more commoditized, though. Uh, I think there'll be, you know, less and less differentiation as the, you know, the, the vendors in this space kind of um, converge on a, you know, the... 80-20 most useful set of features. I think you're going to start to see a lot more differentiation, though, on the actual on the actual user tracking and how it ties in to the transaction tracking. So you know, on the, you have the front end, which is the user experience, which is either be uh, synthetic or based upon sniffing, 
And I think the differentiation between the vendors will be on their ability to tie those individual transactions back to each step on the back end um, on the back end flow. Absolutely, back to those units of work and associated value or impact right. when they have problems. The innovation is going to be around. You know, ARM has given a, you know has provided a way of doing this uh, by passing tokens along. You know, that's that's existed for several years now. The problem is. Developers have to be aware of that. They actually have to bake that in from the ground up, um, which I think is not as difficult, you know, when you have a new application that was, you know, constructed by a solo architect, let's say. But when you come in and you know you look at any real business application that's really pulling money in, it's probably been around for a couple of years, and it's, you know, it's not going to be designed from the ground up to pass tokens along. And I think that's where the real power of um, being able to do this tokenless tracking comes into play. Absolutely. You know, back to sort of this market segmentation, you know, how how do you see these other complementary areas of application performance management and application discovery and mapping playing a role in business transaction management? Um, that's a good question. I think you're going to see the discover. I think what we're starting to see is discovery uh, ends up getting aligned much more closely with asset management and not really used for uh, you know, real-time monitoring of the application. I think it will start to see business transaction management used for discovery of the actual flows uh, because it's much more real-time. Especially you start talking about something like clustering and load balancing. It just doesn't really make sense to think that you're going to use a, you know, a discovery product to go and you know, come up with a static view of what an application looks like when in reality, transactions are flowing through and you don't really know which cluster member a particular uh, transaction is going to flow through. Right, so I think that you know, the, the discovery products will probably align more closely with the service desk and with the CMDB, and business transaction management will probably align more closely with business service management. So that physical, so, so more of a sort of a physical versus logical demarcation. Right, right. It's a good way of looking at it. Great. So if you were to look at business transaction management, you know, what would you say the, the, you know, the key components or feature functions that a business transaction management solution should have, you know, technology, you know, apart, you know, if we were to say we do business transaction management, that means that we do X, Y, and Z. Um, it means that you have the ability to detect transactions flowing through the system, and that um, you know, might either be by looking at the real transactions or by running periodic tests. So that's one part, which is the initiation and the detection of the transaction. Um, then there's going to be the stitching, which is gathering data from each, uh, you know, each point in the flow and tying that together in a meaningful way. And then there's going to be the presentation and the reporting. Uh, so the you know the real time presentation will be more for a, you know an operations management type of audience, uh, you know being able to, to spot when when things have gone wrong, and then the reporting is going to be more for the application architect um, and you know the service level management type persona, and that's going to be really you know after the fact at the end of the month, you know which cluster members are we seeing the slowest performance on. I think it really comes down to those. Great. Yeah, and it aligns to how I see it. I, I sort of see it as you know, transaction discovery, mm-hmm. uh, transaction tracing, which would be the stitching part, and then 
transaction monitoring, uh, and then sort of an area where I don't see a lot of people, the big four at least, focusing on is this this area of business transaction analytics or intelligence. So along the lines of reporting and, and presentation layer things, but now, you know, my thinking is taking me down this path that this is where we're seeing, you know, fraud, credit card abuse, you know, abuse of services and telcos, uh, business activity monitoring and business process uh, management activities here, right? Because really, that's applying logic analytics to transactions, in my opinion. That's right, um, and we, we haven't really seen uh, that take off yet. We haven't had that many requests for tying those together, and I think it's because uh, you know the fraud detection type scenarios are um, often managed out of a totally separate group, out of the compliance group, yep. um, or out of the security group, uh, which you know which is different from the operations group and. You know, we tend to develop things, you know, we always want to be one step ahead, but, you know, if you're too many steps ahead, then you're making a product that no one's ready to consume. Right. So let's talk a little bit about transaction discovery in, in, in general here. And you can generalize this to your area for SOA and response time tracking, if you'd like. I mean, how, would, how are transactions discovered? Are there various approaches for that, or is it... Is it always going to be an agent-based approach or a sniffer, probe-based approach? What are, the, what are our options there for discovering transactions? Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned sniffer. Um, you know, we definitely have ways of being able to discover them using sniffing. The problem with sniffing is it tends not to be as reliable as actually having instrumentation with an agent um, along the pathway. So, you know, the, the, the state-of-the-art, I should say, in terms of, you know, what people are most comfortable with right now, what really works is having an agent at at least one key point in the flow. So that would typically be, you know, your web sphere that's right behind your IHS server. And so you would typically set up a deep dive tool there, which is looking at the individual flows through that through that web sphere. Um, and, you know, looking at all the all the fields that are being passed in and all the fields that are being passed out to the uh, to the downstream systems. And then, uh, you know, that, that's really where your transaction discovery starts. Uh, but, you know, it's typically only meaningful if you have at least two vantage points. If you're looking at it from, you know, the point of view of that web sphere and maybe the, you know, the next web sphere that it might be talking to or the, the messages flowing into MQ series. Because that's when you start to be able to figure out, okay, this isn't just some request that came in and, you know, and died. It's actually part of a flow. Right. So is that, is that, you know, do we, when we talk about having to deploy an agent, is that something that you know we're going to have the same battles that we do, you know, with agent versus agent lists and the trade-offs of you know depth and breadth of data versus you know shallow data, you know, and yet another thing to administer, or or are we talking about something that you know we can reuse another pipe pipeline? Like you know, if I have if I was an ITM customer and I have an ITM agent framework, you know, on a system that I would just plug in something into that framework already, or, or do I really have to have a whole other agent that's purpose-built for transaction discovery? Well, what, we're, what it's probably going to be is it's going to be one agent per domain. So, you know, rather than having, you know, one agent per product, you know, we're, we're definitely moving away from that approach. We recognize, you know, it's, you know it's, it's unrealistic to expect the customer to double instrument. That's the big thing that we're trying to avoid right now. So what we're doing is we're you know, we're stepping back and we're realizing, okay, from a SOA management perspective, 
you need these types of, of data points flowing. From a transaction management perspective, you need these other types of data points. You know, how can we have one agent at least that's installed into that web sphere that sends all that data up? And the next step after that is to just get that merged into WebSphere. So you don't have to install an additional agent. This is actually what we did with, uh, with SOA management, which is we started by having an, uh, actually ARM is a good example. Uh, you know, a few years ago, if you look in 2003, uh, the, the predecessor to the transactions product was called RTT, response time tracking. And it actually did install an agent into WebSphere, which did bytecode instrumentation um, and sent the timings back. You know, people get pretty uncomfortable uh, with something like that because it's altering the way the application is actually behaving. So, uh, you know, several years ago, we actually got that code introduced into the WebSphere code base. So now, when you want to do ARM tracking, you don't actually have to install an agent at all. So, it depends how we define agent. Cool. You know, we might, it might make sense to define an agent as something you have to install, you know, into the app server that it didn't come with. Uh, but what we're going to try to do, at least with WebSphere, of course, and where we have, uh, you know, where we have a good relationship with uh, with the app server vendors, is to actually get that technology embedded into the app server. Yeah, absolutely. Point, I, you know, you can call it agentless if you want to. Sure. Is there, you know, much like a hope for a, you know, a standards effort around ARM? Is there, is there a chance? I mean, is, do we have to look to, you know, Java, J2EE? Where, where are we? Is there hope for a universal instrumentation standard? across all the app servers? Uh, probably not. Um, you know, ARM already exists. It's already a standard. Um, you know, the issue with ARM, of course, as I was saying before, is you have to pass tokens along. So I think your real question is, you know, is there going to be a successor to ARM as a standard for passing along data with no tokens? I think the problem with that is, uh, what do you pass then? You know, what would this, right now there's a standard which says you should pass a token. So if we create a standard that says you shouldn't pass a token, then what would it tell you to pass? So I don't know that we're going to see that happen. Uh, I think it's going to be based upon heuristics. Right. Start getting you know out of the standards area. Okay. So when we we move from discovery of of probably you know tens of thousands of you know little pieces of data about the transactions and in, in different systems that are all you know, not related, and we move into this transaction tracing or, or transaction stitching role. You know, how does something like transaction stitching work? Uh, it's basically, it's, you know, it's a good follow-on question to what you were just asking. Um, it actually looks at all the data that flows in and out of each step, and it tries to figure out which fields that came out of the previous step map to fields that I'm getting in this step. Um, and it you know, kind of goes back to the theme I was talking about before, which is you know, if you just took a smart person and you said, here, stare at this data and stare at that data and figure out what matches up, that's in essence what it does. So are we looking at MAC addresses or IP it addresses? Outgoing, or? It could be outgoing TCP ports and the TCP ports that they map to on the, you know, on the, on the, on the server side. Um, it could also be transaction IDs. I noticed... You know, there's a transaction ID that's assigned at the beginning of the transaction, and that's passed along. You know, in the, between the first step and the second step, it might be called trans ID. When it goes into the third step, it might be called, you know, T underscore ID. Um, but we'll actually look at that and figure out that it's really the same trend, that's really refers to the same piece of data. 
even though it might not, the field names might not be the same. Okay, so much like we're doing with our application discovery and mapping side, we might have these things like transaction sensors that are pre-built intelligence that are fingerprints or, or know how to match up a WebSphere transaction or a JBoss or a WebLogic or a Kicks or, or other things and help with that stitching process? Yeah, I mean, you're referring to the collectors. They're called collectors. Right. Okay, so that's... a collector for each domain, just like there would be a sensor um, on the discovery side. Okay. And so that's an awful lot of data, I would imagine. And, and once we stitch yeah. together the smaller pieces to now hopefully things that represent flows or 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 you know that end-to-end transaction what do we do with all that data where are we are we creating another transactional database are we adding that to a performance database are we adding that to a cmdb where do we go from there uh, right now it's stored in an internal database which is part of the transactions product um, but you know, an obvious next step for us, uh, which we're investigating, is how to go take those steps and map them to um, to app servers and modules installed within app servers that the discovery product has discovered by its sensors. And you know, that allows your CMDB to really be reconciled against what's you know what the what the transaction flows say really exist. Yeah, and I think that's been a missing gap in. All the vendors, CMDB products that I've seen is moving from that physical to that logical thing, that that transaction, that business service that you know doesn't have a blinking green light in the data center, but has a high dollar value when it's impacted by changes in an IT environment. That's right, and it's even having influences in terms of how we think about data modeling. You know, the, the modeling that we have to do has to become a lot more granular at the CMDB level in order to support storing all that data that we're discovering by looking at the flows. Absolutely. So we've, we've, you've mentioned ARM a few times uh, in our discussion. You know, I sort of get the sense that ARM never really took off, and it was sort of an IBM initiative. And you know, it, it, I, I'm not aware of any other vendors who've really adopted that. Is you know, do we are we betting our future on ARM or, or uh, trying to get a broader based adoption of that? I wouldn't say that we're betting our, our future on it. Um, I, I also wouldn't count it count it out. Uh, you know, it's one of those things where you know everything's really hot and exciting when it first comes out. Then you don't hear about it for a while, but at some point it just becomes baked in and it's just there and it just works. Yep, yep. Uh, so we actually have a lot of customers that are using ARM very successfully. Um, the nice thing about it is if you do bake it in, it's uh, it's a lot more deterministic. So if you think back to what I was just describing about matching up fields that might not have the same field name. You know, it's not guaranteed that you'll be able to do that for every single flow. Whereas with ARM, it is guaranteed. Right. If it's, you know, if your application doesn't have a bug. And, and you mentioned bytecode instrumentation is that lowest level, you know, putting hooks not, into code. You know, is bytecode instrumentation really, you know, something that's required for... No. Bytecode instrumentation is something that we did early on uh, before we actually had ARM support built into WebSphere. Now there's actually no need to do that because it's actually built in to you know it's built in from the ground up. Okay, so that was our first generation approach, if you will. Yep, exactly. Okay, so now let's talk about today, right? With all the you know the sexy Web 2.0 talk and new application development techniques like Ruby on Rails or rich internet applications or Flex or Flash, does any of this stuff? 
force us to change the way we think about or, or how we need to manage transactions? Does, do the same old in-tier approaches apply as usual here, or, or do we need to think about something completely new? Well, t- when you when you move from that very Java centric, you know, app server layer, right? To, and we talk about the new web applications today, you know, rich internet applications, Flex and Flash and Ajax and all that new Web 2.0 stuff. Right. Does that? I think we have a couple. I see where you're going. Yeah, I think we have a couple footholds. Um, you know, certainly HTTP. I think is here to stay for a while. Um, so even when you have a Flash-based application, you know, it still communicates through HTTP. You know, it's still going to hit your IHS server. So I think that that won't change. Uh, some of the technologies on the end-user response monitoring side, um, such as, uh, you know, there are technologies which will go and insert JavaScript um, along the way, such that that JavaScript plays back in the browser and sends timings back. You know, obviously things like that will probably start to diminish in importance. Uh, as, you know, Flash catches on and, and Silverlight. But certainly at the HTTP level, I think we'll have, you know, I, I don't think much will change there. Um, Ruby on Rails is an interesting one, uh, or, you know, the LAMP stack in general, because, you know, a lot of these standards are not built into those app servers. You know, there you have a lot more work happening in the database, and you have a lot lighter of, a, of an app server. So, yeah, we haven't actually had many customers ask us uh, to support that yet, because you know most of these apps are that we've been called in to help monitor are you know I wouldn't say old, but more mature apps that have sure. been around for a while. Because right. otherwise, you know, it, it wouldn't pay to invest all that time and effort in in monitoring them. Right, the tried and true enterprise platform. Right. So you know we're really seeing a lot of requests for you know like I was saying MQ series and, and case tracking. That's where I guess all the money really is. <laughs> Right. Um, but, you know, I would expect us to start seeing some, uh, some requests coming in from, uh, from customers looking to, to do this sort of tracking through a Ruby on Rails front end. I think we just haven't really seen that much enterprise adoption of that yet. I would agree. Um, you know, you, you sort of... Brought... I think where, it, where it might happen is as we start seeing more of a, uh, a move from, you know, on-premise hosted applications to more cloud-hosted apps, and we start seeing uh, we start seeing enterprises actually gain the comfort level where they actually write applications that they host up in a cloud or in something like you know Google App Engine. I think once that happens, that's when we really start to see this uh, the activity and monitoring that sort of infrastructure take off. Right. You gave a good definition of what end to end means in terms of business transaction management. You know, going from you know that first point of customer interface, all the way through a, you know, a web app database mainframe tier, you know, and and back. Is that good enough? If we, you know, I, I see many clients who who get one aggregate number and, and and you know they it's ten seconds to complete the end-to-end transaction. Uh, I don't think that's good enough, right? I think that's a great starting point, but. How do we get clients to recognize there's more value in, in getting to that more fine-grained transactional step breakout where they can see each of those components uh, broken out in the individual timings and, and move to a more uh, isolation and troubleshooting mode instead of just sort of accepting a high-level response time measurement is good enough? Yeah, 
you know, I, I would like to say people should just naturally see the value of it, but we know that's not how things work. Um, what I'm seeing is I'm seeing it really, uh, I'm seeing the interest really to solve pain points. You know, customers who are responsible for an application where they've got people screaming at them that, you know, it's fast sometimes and it's slow other times. Go figure out why it's slow. And they're the guy stuck in the middle, uh, you know, between the WebSphere guys saying, yep, everything's fine over here, to the Kix guys saying, hey, there's no problems over here. And, you know, they, they've got the customers screaming at them saying, well, something's wrong, go figure it out. Uh, and, and I think this is where you, you, know, you start looking at things like standard deviation of the response times of the individual steps rather than just the standard deviation of the, of the whole end-to-end. Because that's where you start to get a feeling for where the unreliability lies. And so for clients who don't have that fine-grained data to correlate at a higher level with their traditional infrastructure instrumentation and monitoring, um, you know, user experience, are they missing out a great opportunity to potentially really isolate those more fine-grained relationships that, you know, the transactions are failing because of this, you know, CPU utilization problem or this network latency problem? Absolutely. I mean, I, you know, I'd like to say everyone should bake this in from the ground up, um, but, you know, you don't have infinite money to instrument every single application and every single transaction flow. So it's going to be, you know, it's going to be based upon which ones people are complaining about. Those high-dollar applications. It's a reasonable way to allocate your money. Absolutely, and that's the approach I took in my previous uh, whoever yelled the loudest, uh, you know, got yep. the got the probes pointed at them. Yeah, exactly. So, is it is it possible to you know we've we've got a broad IT cam portfolio that that covers many technology uh, domains. You know, it, is that approach um, compared to you know somebody who says they can do soup to nuts in one platform? Could you talk about you know the broad? and shallow versus deep uh, sort of approach that we have and, uh, and how other vendors in the marketplace may have? Yeah, I mean, I think the strength that IBM brings to the table is, um, you know, either through organic growth or through acquisition, you know, we've got a, a, you know, a good collection of tools that allow you to dive really deeply into these specific domains. Um, and so the reason why that's important is, you know, it's one thing to be able to isolate where the problem is, but you have to do something about it after that. And so uh, what we're able to do is actually tie these applications together using launch and context. And a, a key differentiator here also is not just the ability to launch into that deep dive tool, but to pass the relevant fields and parameters that you pulled from a particular transaction down into that deep dive tool, such that when you bring that deep dive tool up, it's actually showing you relevant data for the particular transaction that you're trying to zoom into. And that's something which is very difficult to do. Yeah, absolutely, and it you know saves those guys who are on the front line or in application support groups, you know maybe three, four, five clicks that they would have had to take to get to that data and get their screens laid out before they could start to take action. Because what you start to see, what you see a lot also in the domain-specific uh, management tools is they'll look at you know five-minute aggregate timings. You know they take the average response time over, you know, for every transaction over each five-minute bucket. The problem is, once you're doing that, you're never going to actually see the slow transaction. You know, you're never going to, you know, if you have one transaction that was, you know, ten times slower than all the other ones, it's going to get lost in the sea. So unless you actually have the actual transaction ID and you know how to pass it along, 
uh, you know, you really have no way of debugging a problem like that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, business service management, deep in our past, uh, you know, working together, going all the way back to my time at Earthlink, yep. business transaction management, a key enabler to, you know, a very mature value-oriented business service management solution. Could you talk about how you see, you know, the business service management um, pedigree being pushed into our transaction management products? You know, when I, you know, we've talked about very IT, very developer-centric things here, and and you know, more often than not, I'll log in and I'll see a client's deployment of some of our technology, and I'll see very cryptic names and things that don't have any business relevance at all. How, how will you bring the ability to associate fine-grained transactions or groups or aggregate transactional information and associate that level of detail to the business service and the impact that it has on the business? That's a very interesting question. Um, you know, I can see it from two sides. Um, you know, depends who you're talking to, as, as most things do. If you're looking at it from a BSM point of view, then transaction tracking is really just a data source. You know, we've, we've spoken for a long time about, you know, where do I actually get these KPIs? You know, what databases do I mine? Do I run periodic queries against my backend database to go populate the columns in my, in my dashboard, you know, with uh, business-relevant uh, data? Well, I, I see transactions as being a way of coming up with that data rather than just assuming that customers are going to have it sitting in some database somewhere. So, you know, that's the first way of looking at it, which is as a, a feed to BSM. Um, I think your other, the other half of your question is, how can you go take the data that's, uh, that's essentially created by going down the path of implementing BSM and using that to enrich the transaction data? Um, and I think this goes back to the BSM, sorry, to the CMDB discussion we were having earlier which is, I think you're going to see much tighter integration between BSM and the CMDB. You're going to see some customers who will go and define their business service models using their BSM product. Uh, that'll then get accepted into the CMDB. Uh, and then you'll see the CMDB reconcile the transactions that were discovered with the, the business services that were created in the, in the BSM tool. And I think they're going to come together in the CMDB. Yeah, a- a- absolutely. And, you know, I think you know, one of the challenges that I've seen in business service management adoption is that it's often seen as an operations-type toy, if you will. And, and what I want to be able to see us do is to get that brought back upstream some and get application support, you know, Tier 2 application people, Tier 3 application people, application development people, exposed to that most fundamental alignment of a transaction or a thing to a business application or a business service and and start to get those people in application support groups to think, operate, and respond differently than they do today because now they'll have an understanding of the business impact that those things have. And that's that's a key point of, of entrenching business service management and service-oriented, you know, management through an IT organization. So it's not just an operations-type tool, pretty picture on the wall of monitors, but those application support people now who may be responsible for WebSphere and the transactions that flow through them, 
they understand their role in supporting the business now because we've got it. We've got that cryptic transaction name or that cryptic host name now associated to the business in a screen that they're familiar with. Right. Right. Exactly. So great. Um, again, I know you're, you're you're new in this role, but you know you've probably talked some to some clients. You've probably been involved in some some pre-sales opportunity type situations. You know, are, are most companies ready for business transaction monitoring and management? You know, are are there are there is there a certain maturity level that a client really needs to be at before they can adopt? A, a business transaction management project, or I, I, you know, you mentioned I, you mentioned the the pain scenario where they've got a they've got a quick pain scenario. So I can see it. I can see a point project, a very tactical project to address those types of things. But for the long haul, for a strategic you know perspective, or do, do companies need to be ready to do business transaction management? Um, I, I don't. I think they need to be. Uh, they need to be comfortable with rolling out, uh, you know, making changes to their operational environment in a controlled way, and not being scared of that. Um, you know, they, they need you need to be at the point where you know you've got a very you know tried and true test environment where you know you're comfortable uh, you know instrumenting your apps and you know gaining a level of comfort with the tool. Uh, you know, you definitely have to have that level of maturity. Uh, I wouldn't see anybody embarking on doing business transaction management until they're doing simple, you know, synthetic and user response time testing. You know, it's definitely a, a step beyond that. Uh, but interestingly, I, I don't think that it's actually as hard as BSM is in some ways, and that we're not actually asking the customer to sit down and, uh, you know, gather lots of information from their you know, from their subject matter experts to go plot out all the steps. You know, the fact that transaction, you know, that discovery is an inherent part of it, I think it makes it a lot easier within a lot more organizations' grasp. Yeah, it's definitely a much more controlled scope. It's, you know, this, the talk and discussion about the need for business transaction management probably happens in a different organization uh, in IT than, than business service management does. Right. Um, I think, you know, obviously, you know, another thing that should go without saying is, I wouldn't see anybody doing business transaction management until they're doing comprehensive, you know, event event management. Yeah, yeah, especially with the with the powerful ability to correlate that stuff. If you don't have a good foundation in the basics, then you know you might be just throwing darts and making a lot of assumptions from the transaction perspective that might be you know easier found by fundamental monitoring. So the way you think about it is. You know, if your war room discussions are about, you know, why is it down, why did it go down, then, you know, you're probably not at the point where you should be thinking about business transaction management. If you're sitting around talking about why it's slow, then you're in the right place. Right, right. So where I sit on the services side, I'm, you know, you know, I, I'm very concerned and very passionate about the things that we do with our clients before we deploy the software and after we deploy the software, how do we? How can we help our clients become more uh, proactive in their operational stance through the use of business transaction management solutions? Well, I think one um, one interesting thing that you know comes along with business transaction management is a step away from this whole mentality of having to set thresholds. 
and you know, have to do a lot of upfront analysis. Um, and that's, I think, scared a lot of people off from, you know, from doing, you know, essentially service quality management in an enterprise setting. Um, so the fact that, you know, baselining, automatic baselining for response times is something that's just built in from the ground up, uh, you know, I, I think that allows you to be more proactive without having to invest a lot of analysis work up front. Um, yeah, I guess you, your question, could you say a little bit more about... Yeah, just, you know, if, 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 you, if you looked at, you know, okay, we just deployed IT Cam for SOA and... The application guys are, are, are happy about it, but now we need to incorporate it into the broader infrastructure monitoring play, right? So the guys on the front line are now seeing that data. Are, are there any challenges with operationalizing business transaction management solutions so that the people on the front line are, are ready to, you know, um, you know, figure out what that new information is telling them. Is there is there training that they need? Do they need to learn a lot about you know three tiered architectures or app, app servers? You know, how how are those guys going to be ready to now respond and you know react to this new data source? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it might even be a bit too early to tell what the impact is going to be. You know, we've got this traditional you know first line uh, you know people who you know, our knock operators, you know, escalating to second line, finally to subject matter experts. I think what we're seeing is we're seeing customers try to fit business transaction management into that same structure. Um, I'm not sure yet whether, you know, it'll fit in and they'll succeed or whether it'll cause some disruption there. Um, I think certainly one interesting thing that comes out of it is you see, you'll see the same tools being used uh, probably in the, you know, across these tiers. Um, Because, you know, as you get out to the subject matter expertise, uh, they're actually going to want to be starting from the transaction management side and launching out to, the, to their domain-specific tools uh, in context. Whereas I think in the past, you know, they probably would have just opened up a trouble ticket and seen, oh, I see WebSphere is slow, let me go run my WebSphere deep dive tool, uh, you know, not caring about a particular transaction at all. Is, I think that's, that's one difference that you'll see. Do you think it's realistic or could become a best practice that a frontline, you know, tier one operations organization and a traditional enterprise, you know, has a group of subject matter experts focused on transaction management and monitoring, just like they do, you know, distributed or mainframe or network or, you know, other areas in, in their frontline operations group? be able to do a better job at identifying who needs to be brought in rather than having to go through a second line and then sitting in a, in a queue for a while. So I think you'll see the, the dispatch happening a lot sooner. I think you'll see less time spent on in war rooms trying to figure out who's at fault. Uh, but ultimately, I, I still think that, you know, at least with the current generation that we're at right now, you'll still need to have uh, subject matter experts get involved to figure out how to solve the problem once it's once it's been Yeah, absolutely. So it's still, you know, too early to tell, but we definitely would be able to say that, you know, yeah. isolation to, you know, web app database tiers, if you will, that, you know, that those types of activities should be able to happen much quicker. Because you still have silos. Oh, absolutely. Responsibility. Yeah, so that's the that's challenge. The problem, you know, even if, we, if we're able to pinpoint that the slowness is happening in kicks, you know, uh, 
not going to be able to do anything with kicks. I mean, it's, you know, we've seen some organizations, there's two different CIOs. Oh, I know. One it's a, contributed and one for, it's <laughs> a very, it's a whole other series that, that, uh, that we can talk about is, you know, what's the organizational structure of the future so they can be best prepared to adopt these types of technologies. Um, you know, again, I'd like to have some more follow-on conversations with you and, and dive a little bit deeper into some of these areas. But there's two questions I'd like to uh, to ask. Again, you, you may have had some early exposure to this, but, you know, what, what could a typical client expect the time to value be when they deploy a, a business transaction management solution? Um, well, I could talk about the, the time to certainly to get it deployed. Um, you know, assuming that you have an application that spans, you know, five or six different uh, different collection points, you know, you're probably talking about, depending on, you know, your change control process, that's probably a month-long project. Um, you know, you'll probably have to get some subject matter experts involved. Um, I think that the, the ROI is something you'll probably see, depends how often you've got people calling up and screaming at you. Uh, I was just in a, with a customer last week who, while I was discussing this with them, the cell phone rang and it was their boss screaming at them asking if they've gotten any further and figuring out why their transactions are slow. So I think for, for him it'll probably be pretty quick. Yeah, so I think it's, it, it'll be easy for those clients to choose to take a tactical approach to solve a pain point to be able to measure their ROI um, or value, um, what, what you know, what if what if everything's great, right? What if you know we've got a steady state environment and you know the the software has been you know deployed and it's working? How how do you measure that long term value over time? Is it is it you know now that there's a comfort level and assurance that you know we're meeting SLAs and business objectives and customer experience type things? Do we move to something beyond, you know, where we are when we go into a client with this tactical approach? What's that longer-term value proposition? I think the longer-term value proposition is going to be freeing up people to work on strategic projects rather than fighting fires. I think, you know, especially with the economy we're going through right now, you're probably not going to see more people get hired on to implement strategic projects. so I think, you know, the only hope that you really have of ever getting to execute on those is, you know, not spending all your people's time, uh, you know, in war rooms. Right. Kind so of figure out who's at fault. Resource optimization. Fault. Yeah, resource optimization and, you know, tasking certainly is a big cost in, in many companies. Um, right. Do more with less, right, as they say. Well, Sol, I, you know, I want to thank you for your time today. You know, you've provided a, a great introductory, uh, you know, session here to establish, you know, Tivoli and our, our focus on business transaction management with a couple of our key products. Like I said, I'd like to expand that over time so we, we can start to bring in some of your peers and, and, and stitch together that, that end-to-end transaction management story that we have. And, and really, I, I really want to dive into this aggregation point, you know, IT cam for transactions, the new product version 7.1 where we're creating, if you will, that consolidated transaction management platform across those domain silos. I think that'll be a great discussion uh, to, to dig into later. And then I'd like to invite you to a business transaction management you know, market 
panel where I, I plan to invite some of our uh, peers in the industry and, and have uh, a broader-based generic discussion on business transaction management. So, That'd be great. I look forward to it. This is what I was able to uh, to learn in six weeks, so let's see where I am in six months. Well, I know what you've done from uh, you know the NetCool Rad, NetCool Impact days and to our, our adoption into uh, IBM post-acquisition, so I'm sure you will uh, make great strides in your new role. And, uh, again, congratulations on that, and uh, best of luck, and we'll be in touch soon. Thanks a lot, Doug. Speak to you soon. All right. Take care, Sol. Thank you.